This episode of the Good Pop Culture Club is brought to you by Audible Theater Presents Good Enemy, a world premiere play by Audible Theater emerging playwright Yilong Liu, directed by Obie Award winner Che Yu, about a father who learns that closing the door to his past means shutting his daughter out. A smart and thrilling story that deftly weaves together two generations and two countries, the U.S. and China, both during times of sweeping social changes, exploring the power of human connections. This hopeful show includes a road trip across America, theatrical flashbacks to 1984 China, action, suspense, secrets, discussions of generational trauma, and the bonding power of TikTok between a father and daughter. The play stars Obi Award winner Francis Ju, uh, who was recently seen, who who was recently seen on Pacific Overtures on Broadway and Soft Power at the Public. Previews begin October 25th at the Manetta Lane Theater in New York City and will run for a limited five-week engagement through November 27th. Tickets are on sale now at goodandmeplay.com. So if you're lucky enough to be in New York during the next few weeks, um, definitely check it out. And use our special Good Pop Culture Club discount code, um, GPCC25, um, all caps. When you do, the code will unlock $25 tickets if you use it before November 5th. And afterwards, the code will give you a 25% discount. So definitely, if you want the most bang for your buck, the earlier, the better. Um, The show does contain nudity, sexual content, and gunshots. So parental discretion is advised. Once again, the play is playing from October 25th to November 27th at the Manetta Lane Theater in New York City. And our special Good Pop discount code is GPCC25. Thanks again to Audible Theater Presents Good Enemy for supporting the Good Pop Culture Club. And now, on with the show. You're listening to... What is poppin' everybody? You're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club episode 128. My name is Marvin Yuan and joining me as always to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days. We have self-proclaimed, formerly, sorry, formerly self-proclaimed professional Asian American, just you. Yeah, my question is how long can I be formerly self-proclaimed? Aren't you always formerly unless you become it I guess, again? Is it like... Is it like professional Asian emeritus? Maybe we should move to that. Just go professional Asian emeritus. Emeritus? Okay. <laughs> I guess it's that works. very stately, yeah. right? It's like stately. Why yeah. do you sound so hesitant, Marvin? Do you think I'm not worthy of this title? Well, I mean, doesn't that also sound like that you are no longer Died? an Asian American? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so we're tra- which one is it modify that's mm, yeah. yeah, I've you know, I've tra- I've chosen to just become a, a white lady. <laughs> so yes, former <laughs> Asian American cuz that's how race works, right guys? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you get sunburned, right? <laughs> I do. I get really really bad sunburns. Like You're very pale. Me. It's like me and like the middle aged guy from Missouri on the boat in Hawaii, and we're both wearing like the full coverage sun shirts because otherwise we'd mm-hmm. be like lobsters. But he's like more free than I am because, yeah, I'm basically allergic to the sun, and then my sweat is acidic, and then it hurts. It's <laughs> not fun. It's I mean, you did fun. choose this week's um, pop culture, which is probably the whitest thing we've ever watched on this show. I mean, um, so white. Me. It's a cult. It is camp, Marvin. It's camp. It's not. It's. It is well beloved. I'm not the only one. <laughs> also joining us, the most professional of culture editors, Han Win, who is currently ducking out on her <laughs> outlet's um, election coverage to come talk Mama Mia with us. Uh, welcome, Han Win. Call it counter programming. Um, Everyone's being very depressed and kind of like cynical in my work slack watching the election results come in and planning coverage for the next day because we are recording right now on Tuesday. Uh, I will, you know, face reality when I just log on tomorrow. So. I know. Let's let's take yeah. a break from Escapism. watching America's backslide into authoritarianism, um, fascism um, yeah. and talk about, you know, white people in Greece singing ABBA songs. <laughs> it's like when the best thing sorry just one final comment it's like when the best thing about the candidate you have to vote for is like well at least you're not a fascist it's like damn this <laughs> sucks yeah. I mean today of all days also rainiest day of uh, the season 
the first rain in months in LA happens to be today. So, you know, even the weather is down with voter suppression, you know? Mm-hmm. But, you know, Marvin, we really needed this rain. Mm-hmm. This uh, is my LA resident duties. Like, wow, we really needed this. No. Yeah. On one hand, voter suppression. But on the other hand, we are in a drought. We do, we do mm-hmm. need the water. Is this how fascism is born? It's like, you know what? Say what you will about not being able to vote. I'm sure glad we'll have water for a little bit longer. Well, like, you know, actually, like, weather events and, like, climactic events do have very big effects on history. You just don't really know until, like, a few <laughs> decades later. Like, you know, you don't you don't attack Russian winter. Like, um, a hurricane took out, like, the burgeoning film industry in Florida. So it moved to California. Like, you just, you just never know. Mm. Well. Maybe the rain, but which we really need. <laughs> Has more um, sinister <laughs> consequences? Uh, I don't know. Let's talk about white people frolicking in Greece. Yeah. This week, we're uh, filling in some pop culture gaps for the first time in a while. Uh, because Han and I have finally watched <laughs> Mamma Mia. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and we are going to talk about that film. And probably the sequel, too. Because I did watch the sequel. Thank you for your service. And very loosely, it is ABBA's 50th anniversary of being formed. So... Oh. Let's just say this is our tribute to them. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and it's not. Ter- it's 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 camp, Marvin. It's camp, please. <laughs> uh. Well, before we get to that, um, let's find out what pop culture's been getting us through uh, this week. Um. Let's start with chess. What's popping? I started the relatively new um co- food competition show on Netflix called Drink Masters, where several of the country's top mixologists gather and compete for a hundred thousand dollars and mixology fame so i guess a mixologist is like a you know it's a it's a fancy bartender like the difference between like a cook and a chef uh is a difference between a plain old bartender and a mixologist and as someone who does not drink because they cannot as they are allergic to alcohol i am very entertained by this show it is definitely more in the model of blown away than GBBO in that um, maybe less surprising in the bartending mixology world. But like bartenders are kind of assholes. They're kind of pretentious <laughs> assholes. So you got some real fun characters and a lot of douchey hats. There's this one guy <laughs> who refers to himself in third person. Um, and yeah, it's just like the energy is very aggressive, uh, which is kind of fun to watch. <laughs> question who has interesting facial hair and does anyone have suspenders yes 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 <laughs> yes the one uh, guy has like spotted leopard hair uh, um, yes and and they're just like again i i appreciate kind of the you know i appreciate anyone who loves what they do and is really good at it but it's also like kind of funny when they're <laughs> like oh yeah we want to like, yeah, make this Manhattan. But I'm going to push the boundaries of a Manhattan. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> that sounds nice. Now, I know, Jess, I know um, streaming reality competition is your your thing. You love that shit. Yes, um, absolutely. I found the Netflix ones to be kind of boring a lot of times. Like, Okay, so it is more in the vein... Uh, yes, I agree with you. A lot of the food shows, I food competition shows, I don't like because they're too gimmicky. But this one lies, again, somewhere in between Blown Away, where it is professionals. Um, and they have, like, pretty technical, serious challenges. Like, you're not having to make a cake look like a person or, like, <laughs> you can't sabotage anyone, really. Um, the set is beautiful, and they have like industry professionals like actually giving criticism and judgment. So I will say it is like it seems like on the competition side it is very legitimate. Um, it's just you know you're gonna have less bartenders are not warm and fuzzy. <laughs> we'll just say that they're they have a they have a, they all seem to have a chip on their shoulder. <laughs> And they all, and again, I have no clue what any of this tastes like, right? Like, I don't know what a fucking, <laughs> I don't know what Aperol tastes like. I don't know what, like, I don't even really know what vermouth tastes like. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, he fucked up. Like, he fucked up. That's too much for, like, no. Yeah, and I mean, I, like, I guess my question is how, like, so on the spectrum of 
personalities versus competence like is it does it strike a good balance or is it like does it lean more towards yes one or the other it's well from what i as again as i cannot drink these <laughs> myself and you know yes it's it's a i think it's high levels of both the show does not reward incompetency <laughs> um it 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 is just not going to be the warm fuzziness you get from something like gbbo or great pottery throwdown it is definitely more um like aggro energy like the glass blowers on blown away who i still think is more aggro than the bartenders uh hysterically enough the world I, of glass blowing is very um very mean yeah <laughs> so I, I because i've been trying to think about this except for the great pottery throwdown is there any other show that kind of matches or gets close to that sort of heartwarming nature of Bake oh, off. not in America. Absolutely not. There is a really lovely show called Doghouse. I mean, I guess I'm doubling up my mm-hmm. what's popping, <laughs> which is on Netflix. It is a show about a dog rescue shelter that Matt mm. tries to match dogs with people. And it's very heartwarming. Oh, I think I've so heard of that. Want, okay. Cool. Yeah. If you want to just feel like not terrible, watch that. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, can we still call GBBO hardware? We'll get, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We'll get to that in our check-in later on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I saw this show on my like, you might like this show because you watched The Great British Bake Off. And I was curious, but I'm also, yeah. No, you will like the show if you like Blown Away. <laughs> that is all I can say. Or if you like something like Forged in Fire. Mm. where, um, But it is more accessible than Forged in Fire because I'm probably never going to be able to make a sword. Um, but, you know, I can pretend to throw a drink together with my little can of white wine that I keep in my fridge for cooking and a lime and an ice cube. <laughs> like, oh, yes, on the rocks. That sounds <laughs> disgusting. But, um, yeah, it's it's good to have on the background. It's kind of low stakes. And I hope, you know, like, it's not pretending to be something it's not. Uh, and, yeah, I think it's really good. Check it out. And especially, like, now that it's around the holidays, I feel like a lot of people are going out. You're going to might be entertaining and, you know, you might be inspired to try something fun. I can't drink, but I can make drinks for other people. Will <laughs> I taste it? No. So who knows if it's good or not? All right. Uh, Han, what's popping with you? <laughs> uh, okay. Maybe a little bit more heartwarming, but I don't know how good it is. Uh, so I watched, <laughs> I watched Falling for Christmas which is uh, my first Christmas film of the year somehow, even though they started in October. Um, I've been slacking on the whole Hallmark and Lifetime uh, bit, but, you know, I finally caught up with this one because I had a screener. So it's the new Lindsay Lohan comeback vehicle. Is Lindsay Um, Lohan back? Is she back? This is her big thing. And um, it's on Netflix. It is actually going to be out probably by the time you hear this on Thursday the 10th. Um, And uh, so here's the thing. I was hoping it was, since we're going to be talking about camp, I was hoping for a lot more camp, a lot more hijinks, a lot more, you know, maybe not to the level, like who can achieve the levels of uh, princess switch, but I still kind of wanted a little bit more wackiness. It is fine. It is a perfectly fine, uh, slightly wacky but really more formulaic heartwarming um christmas film so basically Lindsay lohan plays an an heiress named sierra belmont she's very rich um she's spoiled good good heiress name right there yes yes her dad is played by jack wagner um and uh and she's dating this awful 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 guy who's an influencer um and uh the day he proposes to her and um, she somehow gets separated from him on a mountain and they both go tumbling down and she hits her head and gets amnesia. Um, wow. Wait, right. wait, wait, wait. So, so this, this is Splash. This is the plot to Splash, right? Well, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Amnesia is very common in, in Hallmark type films um, because it allows, you know, let's say the spoiled rich person to not realize they're spoiled and rich and actually get like their, you know, to their heartwarming roots. So she um, gets taken care of by a small lodge owner, uh, the North Star Lodge, played by Cord Overstreet, who is, a, for some of you who remember Glee, 
he came on to Glee in the later seasons, and uh, his his nickname was Trouty Mouth because he has a big mouth. Uh, <laughs> it's a very cute mouth, but that's that was his nickname on the show. I forgot his actual character's name. Anyway, um, does not matter. Yeah, so he's a blue collar, you know, worker, and 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 so like there's a this whole montage where she learns how to like make a bed and tries to tries to do laundry, but then like uses too much soap. It's just all whatever. It's fine. Um, of course, she needs to try to save his lodge. Uh, of course, yeah. But honestly, I was just doing other stuff while I was watching it. it if it was as good as the triple Vanessa Hudgens's movies, I would have definitely been more excited for that. But you know what? And I'm we glad- know Lindsay Lohan can do that. She is a great actress. Um, I actually think she's you know of of all the ones I love. You know, uh, yes, I love Amanda Bynes and. You know, no, no I think in her generation, she was the best. She was the best actor actress by far. Yeah, yes. yeah. And so she actually has comedy chops. And so she was fine with it, like doing the physical things. But they just didn't give her like the level of what I wanted. Um, it was is very formulaic. But you know what? Maybe that's what's needed um, for her to like, you know, because there's all of those movies on Netflix where it gives people a second chance or, you know, older women actors to come back and do their thing. Brooke, I know I watched the Brooke Shields one last year. That was so good. That was oh charming, God, though. Castle one. Yeah, that yeah. was actually charming. This one is fine. So um, this was very, very, very much like... They needed Hallmark. a better gimmick. They yeah. needed a better gimmick. She well, needed to be like a celebrity. Well, I expected like- them to have a really good, like, maybe they'll put on a show so she and Court Overstreet can sing. Didn't do that. Um, there was a very limited use of an animatronic raccoon not enough i wanted more uh, so there's just raccoons like raccoons are hot the right year now of the Come raccoon there all these... all the raccoon costumes in halloween yeah yes so there are all these like missed opportunities for this movie which you know from the 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 network that gave us christmas prince you gave us this and something like eh, it's fine so i'm just glad it wasn't actually bad um but yeah so if you want something yeah, uh, I know I'm I'm a little harsher on these types of films than most people. Um, but yeah, it's perfectly fine if you want to <laughs> throw it on and watch it like with your know, family members. There's nothing objectionable, ob- objectionable about it. There's a precocious little kid in it. Um, yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's just that's a little disappointing because you know if you're gonna get Lindsay Lohan to star in your holiday rom com, you want like this to be the Lindsay Lohan's back moment, right? And to not yeah. have that, it's kind of a wasted opportunity. Kind of yeah, we see her in a few like sort of over the top outfits when she's still being rich bitch. But um, and so that was kind of fun. But it was yeah, it became very traditional very quickly. Um, she's also an executive producer, so I think this is kind of what she wanted maybe to, and maybe it's important to rehab her, her, I don't know, her image right now because she's 36 and maybe that's who she's trying to appeal to but whatever it is i was like at least it wasn't horrible (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it made me kind of um light the lit the fire under me to get to the other um holiday films that maybe i will enjoy more so i'm gonna start digging and well maybe we can watch one of those like asian ones (laughs) so that's me uh What's popping with you, Marvin? All right. So um, I think I, I don't know if I mentioned this on this podcast, but my wife made a critical error or mistake in buying me a PS5 <laughs> as a wedding gift. And mm-hmm. so um, I now have a PS5 that I've been playing in my um, little uh, office slash man cave that I'm building for myself in, in our house, which is great. Um, it's like my first current gen console in like decades because i've just been because it's been really hard to get one of these things so um thank you to my wife for uh keeping me busy so she can have me time i think that's the secret reason she got me this thing (laughs) (laughs) um but i've been catching up on some games that i haven't been able to play because like i mentioned um haven't had a current gen system in a while and so i've been playing a game called ghost of tsushima which came out i think two years ago um it was a big first-party temple title for Sony uh, made by Sucker Punch, which is a Washington-based developer. Um, it's an open-world action game taking place in Japan on the islands of Tsushima during a Mongol invasion in the 1200s. 
and it stars actually a cast of well-known Asian American actors as voice actors. Um, you have Daisuke Suji as the main character. Um, Daisuke, of course, mm. um, we know here on this podcast as the guy who played the bad guy in um, Cambodia Rock Band. I know, I knew him from other things, but <laughs> I saw him before that. <laughs> well, that's how I know him as. I was like, hey, that's the bad guy from Cambodia. He's very Rock good Band. though. He's a he's a he's a very successful stage actor in the Bay Area and Los Angeles. His just great in everything and our uh, another friend uh leonard is also in yeah there, leonard right? Rosen mm. plays a ronin um colton khan the um the big bad is played by patrick gallagher who is a pretty well-known um canadian character actor he uh, probably best known in the states as attila the hun from night at the museum uh, we have, you know, Lauren Tom playing a a female samurai warrior, uh, Francois Chow playing like your archery teacher. Um, and the cool thing is all the characters are also modeled after these actors. So you have this like mm. great um, cast of Asian American actors that I have never heard speak because I'm playing the game in Japanese for the oh. <laughs> interesting. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's yeah. So I feel bad because I like know half these people, um, but at the same time, you know, I'm always been a subs person. Even though, ironically, this is an American mm. game where yeah, I'm like, wasn't this produced here? The Japanese track is actually the dub, which is kind of a a strange ironic. Thing. <laughs> Ironic. What a twist. What a twist. Yeah, but um, the game is beautiful. It's it's an open world game with like action stealth. And I've fallen into my usual um, shtick when it comes to these games, which is I have played, I've put in probably like eight hours and I have not advanced the story a single bit because I'm just exploring the world, doing all the side quests and side activities. So yeah, mm. this game will probably keep me busy for at least the next month or so or until you know I it's get just like a game things. you can actually like finish sorry i don't really know much about games like is there a like a story that there is a story you're so you're so the story starts with uh you and your samurai buddies getting totally whooped by the mongol invasion because um you fight with honor and they do not and so the current arc is you learning to be sneaky and stabby to liberate your island, which goes against like the samurai code of ethics. And so that's kind of like the central character arc for your guy is, you know, compromising your morals to liberate your island, I guess, and fighting, you know, the Mongolian Empire. It's a lot of fun. I am getting a little bit of cognitive dissonance in terms of like this is um, a Western production of a story set in, you know, Japan. Um, the fact that Asian Americans were used as the character models and the character voices is shh, a just plus. Just turn it, turn it but... off. Turn, turn, <laughs> turn it off, Marvin. Yeah. Shh, um, just enjoy the. Shh, just enjoy your whirling present. <laughs> um, but with that being said, it's the game's still pretty fun. I, I, I do like sneaking around and stabbing Mongols in the back. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's what's popping for me. Um, before we get to Mamma Mia, though, I do need to bring up that, you know, time since last Great British Bake Off Food Crime has been reset to zero because um, we do we got to talk about the spring rolls, right? Yeah. Can we first talk about just the name spring rolls? <laughs> um, I mean, here's the thing. I know it's very much accepted that you can use the word spring rolls to mean those fried rolls filled with stuff. Um, and... I just remember sometime around, like, I don't know, in my 20s, where I was just like, wait, I thought those were egg rolls. Why are there everyone calling them spring rolls? And then the things that I called spring rolls, now people call summer rolls um, or fresh rolls, which are the Vietnamese, you know, cold ones. And so I, I was just like, why do we need to use the same name for something that I already had a perfectly good name for? Why, why is egg roll incorrect? Anyway, so. I mean, egg roll is not even what it is so let's 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 start from <laughs> yes, the beginning exactly okay, okay great british bake-off has food crimed again um <sighs> in the episode where our girl shabira rocked it again which is mm -hmm. great um mm -hmm. she is the front runner going to the semi-final uh, if she does not win we will riot um but mm -hmm. the fact that she was forced to create 
spring rolls, quote unquote, for her technical challenge, yeah, was was a crime. Um, so well, <laughs> to describe the spring rolls that they had to make, which you know, people, if you follow along, you probably do watch Great British Bake Off. You probably did feel crimed on by this challenge. Um, they're supposed to create a baked good based only on a recipe. Sight unseen, it's kind of like, here's a recipe, go make this thing. And they are told to make spring rolls. And then when the hosts or the judges, Paul and Prue, unveil what their version of spring roll is, what we see is what us in the diaspora <laughs> lovingly, or maybe not lovingly, um, refer to <laughs> as white people egg rolls. <laughs> because yeah. it is the type of... I mean, that's not being fair. It's you couldn't find these egg rolls in like any Americanized Chinese food restaurant yeah. because they are. It, it's just whenever they do salty food, right? They give them too much leeway, and then it becomes just about subjective taste instead <laughs> well, of like it's a technical challenge. You're like, 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 oh, make sure you have the combination of ingredients, right? It's like how how are they supposed to know what's the correct combination of ingredients? Uh, well, the other thing is this: it's not baking. This is it's cooking. Not, it's cooking. Yes. And so strike one. And then strike two is whatever their version of like an egg roll is, which is this weird flat thing. And they keep talking and like the 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 dough or whatever the wrapper thing was weird and the whole bubbles and just. Uh, right. And, you know, everyone's complaining about, oh, we don't because during the challenge, one of the bakers, Janusz lost one of his eight spring rolls <laughs> the <And> missing <laughs> i think that's just the smoke screen because they want us to focus on where the missing spring roll is and forget the fact that they food crimed again with this challenge yeah, it's it's just as appropriate as the taco was this makes no sense and <sighs> if you're gonna do spring rolls do a spring roll i mean mm-hmm. i don't know i just we can't take I it died on, a little bit. We cannot inside. take it off. So, so who? So it was Prue, right? So Prue was the expert this time on the spring roll. Actually, I mean, I don't even remember. I think I blacked out at that point when I saw what they were making because <laughs> the outrage. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, so you know, you can look on Salon.com for a really good story that my writer wrote about how this might be the worst season when it comes to the food crimes. Yeah. I'm, so, guys, yeah. what's going on this season? Is this just like, is this just Paul unleashed? Like, yeah, it's like, it, like, like I, not I only, feel like, like, okay, like, okay, A is the fact that a lot of, the, like, a good number of these technical challenges were cooking challenges, which is not in any of these bakers' wheelhouse. And two is like, why all, like, I know you need to diversify your challenges, but, Reaching into your, you know, British man on vacation. Oh, I've tried this. Now I'm going to bring it back. Bag of tricks multiple times is just not the way to go, I feel like. There are plenty of European baked treats that they haven't gotten to. And you know what? Even if they've done them before, whoever the bakers are, are the ones bringing their own spin to it. So, like, they don't need to resort to... and I. I do understand. I've heard that they're trying to appeal a little bit more to American viewers, but you know what? Who cares? We want to no, watch. We want to watch British America to America. We suck. Well, it's also like we're watching this because it's like a charming British show. We expect to learn new things. We don't need American stuff or whatever that passes for American. So, uh, yeah, this is a bad memo. I hope the next season they figure yeah. out not to do this. <laughs> and if you're uh, gonna do it, like at least give us good stuff like give us donuts like you've done donuts before you can do it again well you know they could do like i don't know some sort of what is something that we do parker house rolls hawaiian rolls what is something actually american that's baking <laughs> like, uh no they had like an american like baked tray challenge once and it was like oh it was bad too yeah it was bad. i mean but at least it wasn't like racially offensive right 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 they should make like Wonder Bread. That would be the greatest Blech. American <laughs> technical challenge. Make a corn dog. Oh, a corn dog actually wouldn't be bad. That's still cooking though. That's just batter and it's a batter. Well, at this point, just make it the Great British Cook Off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Uh, anyway, uh, anyways, oh, wait. I just need to get that off my chest because um, I don't know. I've never felt 
so personally attacked every week by a show yeah. like this show. So we're now at the semifinal, right? We are. Uh, we are. So so we lost yes. Maxi, which I'm kind of sad about because I actually liked her. But, she had a bad uh, week. She had a bad week. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also just like I do like Shabira, but also just like I could I could have easily lost one of the guys. <laughs> it's like I'm over Sandro. Abdul, I feel like hasn't really stepped up for me as far as the personality goes. He's fine. But, you know, he just hasn't brought the personality. So Yanush has, you know, has personality, at least, even though he lost one of his roles. So, mm. yeah, rumble, I think rumble. I think we're all team Shabira at this point. Right. Yeah. I mean, we've been from the start. She's kind of great. Well, go Asian still alive, I guess. Um, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how uh, how Great British Bake Off attacks us next week. Um, I mean, we'll probably find out tonight. Right. After well, on Twitter. It- well, yeah, it, we you can know, avoid what, it what's what's left on Twitter these days. Yeah, it, that that's not filled with you know election and yeah. Uh, I at some point I'm going to have to like join Mastodon, but um, oh, I heard that's like a ten thousand member waitlist right now. Yeah, I've had a lot of people having issues, but you know, were you I'll able check to change out. your name back from well, your Halloween I'll, name? Oh yeah, I did that already before before any you know permanence like you know your face will freeze that way sort of thing um went on but yeah so i my name my handle is now my unspooky name <laughs> uh it's still verified but i hear that's going to go away um because i'm not going to pay for it well now there no there are two checks now there's a gray check and a blue check that's that's a the new thing right now che- yeah. okay see i can't keep up but it's also all <laughs> it's also dumb um i i think as a journalist it's kind of behooves me to try to stay on twitter as long as possible um but i do foresee it being kind of a, a bad environment so i don't know how much of the hellscape i can like endure but we'll see well let us escape from the <laughs> virtual hellscape and the real life hellscape and go to a fantasy land called greece <laughs> it's not real <laughs> Well, it's just like with Bake Off when they talk about the fantasy land known as like Mexico. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we're going to talk about Mamma Mia when we come back. Stick around. Hello, I'm Phil Yu, and I'm the host of All the Asians on Star Trek, the podcast in which I interview all the Asians on Star Trek. I'm talking to actors, writers, directors, stunt people, background extras. You know, all the Asians on Star Trek. Find out more at alltheasiansonstartrek.com. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Live long and prosper. Hey, Ryan, what's black and white and red all over? I don't know, Robin. Two nuns having a chainsaw fight? Dude, inappropriate. Come on, man. This is supposed to be a podcast promo for our secret underground podcast, Quarantine Comics. Oh, yes. Quarantine Comics. The weekly comic book club where I, ace reporter Ryan Joe, and I, mild-mannered Robin Sutton, team up to discuss some of comics' greatest works. Or just some really cool comics that we've been wanting to read. From Alan Moore to Uzumaki. From Arrakis to Zendaya. From Adrian Tomine to Jean Lun Yang. You might not have heard of half the stuff that we're reading. Or the other half is just pop culture superhero stuff. They could just read the books with us, right? Yes, they could do that, but you could also just send us money. No, Ryan, that's not how passion podcast projects work. Why in the hell are we even doing this? Uh, I'm sure we'll be back by next week's episode. <clears throat> so, tune in each week to Quarantine Comics. That's qtdcomics.com. Set phasers to fun. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. Mamma Mia was a 2008 film adaptation of the musical of the same name, which is a jukebox musical featuring the music of ABBA about a girl who invites her three potential dads to come to her wedding without telling her mother. Um, This was followed up in 2018 by Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, the sequel to that film. And um, it is... Um, a pop culture gap that I did not realize I had until <laughs> I met Jess Jew, who yeah. convinced You're welcome, us Marvin. that something was missing in our lives unless we've seen this film. 
Yeah, I mean, quite a few of my friends also love Mamma Mia. And since I have been aware of ABBA throughout my life, I was just like, I don't know if I need it. So I never watched it. But, you know, I apparently we needed to. So. Yeah, apparently. Need it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, personally, I, I have no personal fondness of ABBA besides the songs I've heard through cultural osmosis. Um, and so, yeah, I never personally felt the need to watch this movie. Yeah. But my my ABBA touchstones were um, one, uh, watching Muriel's Wedding, um, great Tony Collette movie early on in her career, and her character loves ABBA. Uh, two, uh, I'm a child of the '80s, and Erasure did a whole album called ABBA esque of covers. <laughs> And then, and then three, my ex-boyfriend in college is half Swedish and is apparently was really over ABBA because of his mom. So I heard about it, uh, the band through him. ABBA anyway. is undeniable, okay? Like, it's, it's, it's undeniable. Everyone is, everyone's like cynical hater until fucking ABBA comes on. Um, so, you know, if you don't like ABBA, like dig into your heart and like get some therapy and it's okay <laughs> to like fun things. All right. So before we get started in earnest, um, this is a pop culture gap discussion. We will be talking about all things Mamma Mia, whatever there is to spoil on this like decades old movie at this point and whatever plot this film um, gives us to link together all the various ABBA I don't like your tone, Marvin. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think we need to remember, first of all, that this is also a musical for a stage. And I think when you talk about plots that, yeah, I I think it plays out differently on screen. So you're more willing to be like, Oh, kind of like when I watched the uh, Carol, Carol King musical, it's kind of like, I didn't really care about the plot. I just want to hear the next thing song I knew. So this did it well. I guess, yeah. And, I mean, and I do like the creative swing because now I feel like when they do a jukebox musical, you kind of just do a loose biography yeah. or biopic or whatever the stage version of a biopic is of the artist, um, and then the the artist is kind of like, or the char- main character is like a proxy for the artist. I'm like, oh no, whoever wrote Mamma Mia, like, was on cocaine, yes, like the good cocaine, was listening to ABBA. Like probably had like a hell of a night, like like sexually, and was like idea. Idea, yeah. Marvin, Marvin, tell us what is the base plot of Mama Mia for those of you who don't know. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I gave that like five minutes ago. <laughs> oh, a sorry. girl invites yes. three of her potential dads to her wedding without telling her mother. <laughs> yeah. And and yes, so she doesn't know who her dad is because her mom fucked three guys in a row in, in within a two week period, which. They name the dates in the song, and we do celebrate those in this household, in my household. (laughs) Han, I want to know, do you feel like a hole in your life has been filled now that you've seen Mamma Mia? Oh, for sure. Because I didn't know I needed to see Pierce Brosnan sing that badly <laughs> and here's the thing right. I, but charmingly so here it's so charming though. i i yeah. i fully embrace these older men not only just really dancing their hearts out and but wearing ridiculous outfits but also playing their younger selves unconvincingly it, 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 there is a charm about that i think that again because it's on the screen it doesn't play like on the stage like on the stage you're more forgiving i think um, whereas here, you're just like, this is just bizarre. But it was enjoyable because Pierce Brosnan is one of those actors who throughout the decades, I think, you know, we've all had like sort of an image of him. Like first he was Remington Steele and then people were like campaigning for him to be Bond. And he didn't get to be Bond at first. Eventually he got to be Bond. Some people were trashing him. It's just like and then he did Miss Doubtfire. Like there's just all sorts of things he's been doing. So this I felt like was a really nice chapter of his career um, that I did not expect. I mean, I will say the casting of the three potential dads is just like the most like men of a certain age. These are the guys you cast, right? It's Pierce Brosnan, um, Colin Firth and Stellan Skarsgård. I mean, it is like mom core on steroids, (laughs) right? Um, I think the only like you maybe, if they could have, I feel like if Richard Gere would have been down to clown, oh. like all the moms would have collectively like lost their shit. 
Um, but yes, they're they're very. But I guess he's not your. Do they do they have to be European? Uh, maybe Sam is. You mean you're the Mamma Mia expert, so. Yeah, I just realized they're us. all European. Um, but Meredith, M- Meryl Streep is not. Um, and Sophie also yeah. does not have an American act. Does not have a British accent. Um, so you know what? I'm already thinking way too hard about Mamma Mia. Let's talk about the men and the singing <laughs> and the outfits. I mean, maybe they just had their wish list of who they wanted to be Donna and her and her daughter. And then the rest of them, they're like, well, we'll see who's available in Europe because that's where we're going to go. Um, yes. So. I mean, let's be clear. Everyone on this film was phoning it in, right? No, <laughs> they were bringing it all. <laughs> It's like, you know, like you can just sense sometimes when you're filming a movie or you're watching something, you could sense when something like was a tough hang. Like it's art, but it's a tough hang. Like you watch Black Swan or like, um, what's that movie about dr- everyone's on drugs and like it gets worse? Or Requiem, uh, Requiem for a Dream. Jr. Yeah, like you watch Requiem <laughs> for a Dream. You watch like like some Darren Aaron Stosky shit. You watch, you watch like Train Spotting. You're like, this is fucking depressing, and I think every everyone like is like you know really doing pulling out their a game, but this does not seem like a good time. This is the exact opposite. You're like, wow, this seems like the most fun shoot ever. Yeah, sloppy fun. Um, I I I do like. Uh, first of all, we watched at Jess house, Jess's house, so that's why it was very enjoyable to be like. Why is she on a donkey? You know, just ask her these random questions. Like, what's going on here? Um, and I don't know. I, 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 while I don't know if I loved it completely, I did have a good time, and that was that was pretty much all I wanted. Yeah, know? I will say, watching it in person with Jess did enhance the experience because I watched Mamma Mia two on my own. <laughs> and uh, oh no, Marvin! <laughs> You're like, here we go again. Let oh, me no. tell. Okay, here we go again. Oh, here we go. Oh no. <laughs> Oh, all right. Not to get ahead of ourselves, but um, I guess I want to hear from you, Jess. I want to hear. Yes, yes. I want to hear why this film is such an integral part of, I guess, your personality. Okay, number one, I think Mamma Mia is overall for the she's, they's, and gays. It's 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 ABBA in as if for anyone who watched Eurovision the movie and kind of got like the origin story of ABBA, like ABBA comes from Eurovision. That's how they got famous in the 70s. So it's that same DNA of like camp and cheesy and like half sincere but half like this is the most ridiculous shit I've ever seen. Also, I learned from going to the ABBA Museum in Stockholm, Sweden when I was there that they wore this like ridiculous outfits because it was like a tax write-off because Mm. they could write off like the spandex like it had to be ridiculous enough where they could claim, like, I will never wear this in person. Oh, interesting. And then you That's know, some, at the like, core of it, producers level like tax. I mean, Benny and Bajorn, they don't fuck around, man. Like they, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And like outfits are fire. Like those little like spandex like white outfits with the little cats on them, so cute. <laughs> um, and then at the core, Marvin, I don't, I don't know if you remember this, but. I'm a theater kid and I fucking love musicals and I love musical movies because I do think, you know, it's hard to rewatch a musical over and over again. It's like a hundred bucks a ticket. You got to go somewhere. Um, It's not always the same cast. You know, you kind of start having your own little biases and it's it's just, you're not going to be able to watch like a movie, a musical, a stage musical every single day, which is why I think movie musicals are really uh, important to the nurturing of the next generation of musical theater theater children theater kids um i use that both with a lot of endearment and as a slur um, and it's fine i can say that because i'm a theater kid <laughs> and i think mama mia is a fantastic adaptation it is exactly what people go want to see in Mamma Mia. It, they're, he's not, they're not trying to like make it some serious thing. It's like, let's get the best fucking people ever with some amazing music. Let's put them in a beautiful location um, in like 
let's let them and let's let them cook, right? And I have been on record on this podcast, like pissed at the state of movie musicals lately. <laughs> so this is just really fun. And again, ABBA is undeniable. Everyone's a cynic until ABBA starts pumping. Everyone's mass till ABBA starts pumping. Everyone is bitter till ABBA starts pumping. And then that disco, that disco um, one three beat starts, and you're like, okay, I'm in. So is this the one you've watched the most? Is there another um, musical that you were able to watch also multiple times? Uh, I think. <laughs> oh, no, that's a fever. I'm just saying, Han, I watched Cats and then COVID happened. So I feel like Cats mm-hmm. is you watch once and. Oh, no, I know good. a lot of I know a lot of people who watched it multiple times. So. <laughs> Um, and and again, the 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 ridiculousness of that they made this crazy plotline kind of work with all these songs of ABBA. I think that speaks both to the you know kind of creativeness of the original artistic team and just the versatility of ABBA that they have this catalog where they have a lot of tones and like moods and and appropriate you know like like universal but vague lyrics that they can plug into various situations. Um, yeah, like I'm trying to think what other I hated Mary Poppins, the second one. Mm-hmm. I hate Rob Marshall. Please never mm-hmm. let him touch another musical again. Yeah. Like he I think he had a fluke with Chicago, which was really fun, but I think that's more thanks to like the power of Catherine Zeta Jones. I also and Renee Zellweger than anything else. Yeah, beyond the cast, I actually don't like Chicago, the musical. So No, it's terrible. Yeah, like yeah. the cuts are terrible. I mean, like I watch a lot of old school musicals, like mm-hmm. uh Singing in the Rain is one of my favorite yes. movies. Yeah, I've uh, actually very different. Yeah. I've seen a lot of the old school ones. So when it comes to more contemporary ones, I haven't seen them all. Um Yeah. So mm. And you know, they're not trying to be like a super polished one with huge set pieces, right? Like you know they're it, they're they they do a big groups and like but it, it, they're not trying to be like this clean machine. It's like it's vibes. Like literally the whole thesis of this movie is vibes. Yeah, I vibes, mean, and we're gonna make Pierce Brosnan break a vein trying to hit those high notes. <laughs> I will I say, say Abba's songs are very catchy and they fit they're well. So in catchy, this, Marvin, undeniable. You know. <laughs> but. I think, yeah, that one Pierce Brosnan number where he's just <laughs> belting to Meryl Streep on that was it a staircase or a mountain or stickiest like on a rock, mountain? like they're by the shore. Yeah, that song lasted five minutes too long. I feel like no, that's the emotional core, and then and then you get to see Meryl cook, and they're like, oh yeah, oh yeah. I think did she get nominated for an Oscar for this? I can't remember. Let's take a look. That can't be right. That can't be true. I feel like she gets nominated every time she acts in something, but I could be wrong. But, you know, this is also Meryl Streep's, like, last super fun, accessible movie role. Um, Like, she's the most decorated actor, actress of of, of the last few decades, right? Like, I think no one's going to argue that she's a great talent. But, like, other than Devil Wears Prada... She was nominated yeah, for a Golden or, Globe, but okay, Golden Globe, which Pierce, is uh, Pierce Brosnan won won a Razzie. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Good for him. Right. It's fine. He's charming. He wears a white Oxford really well, yeah. and he uh, is very charming and pretty to look at. I don't know what we want more out of the, our actors stars in this movie. <laughs> I think it. Wow, interesting. He was also nominated for a best male performance um, for something else. But anyway, um, yeah, I think the thing is there. This is the type of movie where a bad performance like that is not necessarily a make or break. And no, it's yeah. camp. It becomes part of the lore. <laughs> yes. And it's again, they actually shot this in Greece in the summertime and you know in an era where like you know you you know marvel cgi green screen is like literally sucking the souls out of all the actors because they're like it feels like i think christian bale went on record was like it feels like you're doing the same fucking thing every day and like it's soul sucking it's like it's like no let's show you beautiful vistas let's shoot outside in the light in the natural light let's uh let's let's have color let's have color let's Let's show this beautiful church on this hill and make Meryl Street run up it very quickly. And 
I'm here for it. I'm here for it. She did run upstairs better than that cop from Decision to Leave. <laughs> she did, true. in fact. She yes. was not out of breath. She could have caught. No, she could have caught that. Not even a sweat. <laughs> Ready to go walk Sophie down the aisle. Yeah, queen, <laughs> queen icon. I will okay. say she could do it all. I mentioned earlier that it seemed like everyone was phoning it in because it really did. And I guess this is true because it does feel like they were all just drunk on set the entire time. I mean, probably wouldn't you be? <laughs> I I. Greece Only- is beautiful in the summer. Have you guys been? You should go. It's fucking beautiful. It's on my list for sure. Um, it's uh, here's the thing. I really hope they were drunk because otherwise, there's no excuse for some of like the looseness <laughs> the and the ripping off of his shirt that Meryl did. And yeah, so I really hope. And I also just curious is like what they were drunk on. Was it like local Greek, you know, uh, liquor or what was it? Uh, I Probably want wine. Probably lots and I w- lots of wine. I want stories. I want the the director's cut. <laughs> they should do a um a track where the, they're drunk and talking about it. Yeah, yeah I, that's called Meryl Streep's dinner table when Christine Baranski comes over to hang. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I want to be invited to that party. <laughs> Christine Baranski was great, of course. Okay, I have a very important question to ask you guys. Mm-hmm. Which dad you fucking? <laughs> We got Colin Firth, Straight Laced Harry. We got Stellan Skarsgård, um, a wild adventurer, Bill. And we got Sam Carmichael, classy architect. So which one are you fucking? I mean, even though his character's, spoiler alert, supposed to be gay, maybe Colin Firth just because he had that weird punk uh, phase <laughs> in the Marvin, flashback. Marvin, can you tell her what happens in Mamma Mia 2? Here we go again. <sighs> Yes, please enlighten me. What happens with the with Harry? I mean, where to start? Um, well, they <laughs> so to back up the story. I also watched Mamma Mia. Here we go again. The sequel to Mamma Mia, the musical, which um, which you know, if you ever ask yourself, you know what, I'd like to learn about the story of Donna and her three boys. But for an entire movie, your wish has been granted because here it is. That same story. That's the premise for the first movie now told in extreme detail. And so in Mamma Mia, here we go again. Um, Donna is on her, I guess, post-graduation trip um, to Greece. And she meets Harry played by I don't know who the guy's name is. But Skinner. it's a, either, younger but a man young man doing his best Colin Firth impression because um, <laughs> all of the younger actors here um, are just doing impressions of the older actors. <laughs> and he meets Donna at a hotel and takes her out to a fancy dinner at a French restaurant and point blank tells her, let's sleep together and seduces her with the song Waterloo. As one I mean, does. that would work on me, sure. honestly. Sure. And then his reasoning is, it's because it's his first time. Well, you know what? You can't do worse than um, a young Meryl Streep type person. <laughs> if you can. Who's played by Lily James, who is like, oh, well, okay, yes. like kind of radiant as a young Meryl Streep. Like I would fall in love with her. Like sh- she's kind of, I think it's worth watching to watch Lily James performance. Mm. She's like so pretty. Yeah. She's like yeah, yeah. And like in the natural sunlight and everything I'm like oh, okay okay but I think there what Jess actually of, wants yeah. me to talk about is how they took away the eyeliner and the long hair oh hair. he's very clean cut that's um, disappointing did not I know they did not carry over some of that yeah so uh, based on 70s the 70s hippie yeah based on the first movie I would choose Harry even though he's gay but it also like that that tracks he's, he's twinkish so that's my thing right <laughs> he's somewhat Victorian could you know be dying of some sort of like disease sure um, I do enjoy Bill uh, Stellan Skarsgård uh, I would say Sam is the lowest <laughs> I mean I handle Bill just riding on his boat to be honest yeah yeah I mean he yeah he's been- I like the boat I like the adventure I will go on. I mean Bill's also in the again Mama Mia too. here we go he's a really nice guy <laughs> Um, How did they not get like an, a scars guard relative to play younger Bill? By the way, like, aren't there a ton of them? Like, you couldn't have picked one of the children. Is that weird to 
Well, like play your dad. I mean, like, how old did is it? Bill? Um, right. Lots of children play their their right. fathers. How old is Bill Skarsgård? Let's see. Um, I know he's creepy it clown, but uh. <laughs> sexy creepy it clown to some. Yeah, you know, thirty two, and this was done in a few years ago. He could have he could have played his his own father, sure. But okay, going back to or moving on to the sequel, I guess. Okay. Jess, how did the sequel land for you when you watched it? Um, I think it was also weird because like I watched it by myself and I was very sober. Oh. Um, there, you know, the best ABBA songs are kind of in the first movie, or like the best ABBA songs for the situation, which is a insane plot about my three dads. So I feel like they were really reaching into the barrel for some of these. Like it starts with when I kissed the teacher, oh. which was weird. Mm. And then they're like, oh, no, it's Mamma Mia 2. Here we go again. So we have to find a way to shoehorn Mamma Mia in again, <laughs> even though Mamma Mia was in the first movie. So they do like a sad rendition of Mamma Mia. And I'm like, this is kind of weird. But like Lily James is so charming. I was like, okay, you know what? I'm buying it. I'm buying it. Um, and and then it gets really wild. I think at one point I really did just say "what the fuck," <laughs> and I couldn't. And I still to this day don't know if it's a good "what the fuck" or a bad "what the fuck." Um, you know, at the end, which spoiler alert: if you have not seen it and you don't want to be spoiled, you know, skip like thirty seconds. Cher comes out as Sophie's grandma, and <laughs> she reunites with her long lost love, who is the property manager. And his name is, of course, Fernando. Cue share solo rendition of Fernando. Do you, you guys know the story about Cher in this movie? No. Basically, the head of Universal Film, like the president, was like an old, like used to be Cher's manager or agent. And he just like called her and was like, hey, you're doing this movie. Bye. And she couldn't say no. <laughs> So that's how Cher ended up in this movie. But you know what? I kind of like this lineage. So Cher gave birth to Meryl Streep, gave birth to Amanda Seyfried. I support this. <laughs> I did feel like Mamma Mia 2 felt more like a movie musical. Like it felt like they put some more effort into the musical numbers at least. You know, we didn't have any um, five minute long numbers. That's just a shot um, circling Pierce Brosnan singing to Meryl Streep. <laughs> He it's been decades since he was James Bond, okay? He can't move his hips like he used to. Leave him alone. Uh, how old is Pierce Brosnan? <laughs> how old is he? I don't know. 69. So in the movie he was uh what, 4 years younger? So 65ish. Yeah, don't make Pierce Brosnan break a hip. <laughs> I mean also so I feel like so I was most surprised in the second movie when they immediately fridged Meryl Streep's character Donna. <laughs> Um, which is why we need the flashback to see the younger Donna <laughs> which you know I get it Meryl Streep very busy professional actress probably didn't have time to take her you know Greek vacation this time um, she did appear in one number as a ghost which is nice which is nice to see but man what a number I cried did you not like at least get emotional <laughs> like it was it was very heartwarming it's cause it's cause Marvin's a man and it's like you know Mother-daughter shit. Oh, it's different <laughs> when you a lady. I did, like... So, the, the the film starts with her being the valedictorian of her class at Oxford with, like, the whole world ahead of her. And I was like, did she... Is this a story? Is this actually a story about how this uh, woman had her life ruined by three toxic dudes? I don't know oh, about She just ruined. had to find herself. And there's a horse... <laughs> Yeah, and this movie has a little bit of something for everyone. Well, I mean, okay, young Pierce Brosnan did seem like he wanted. I mean, he was lying about his fiance, but this did seem like he was into her. The other two just wanted to fuck her, right? Like that was their whole relationship. I mean, you're twenty and hot. What would you be doing? <laughs> I would. I, he has a boat. He's sailing you around the island. Like, yeah, they coming off. Whew. Uh, so, uh, question: Since I have not watched. Here we go again. Um, I noticed there are two Asians listed. How were those characters? Were they okay? There were two Asians. 
There were two Asians. Uh, I'm reading. I should tell you everything. So <laughs> that basically means that they're like background or something. So Togo yeah. Igawa and Naoko Mori. Okay. There's one scene where Harry, old Harry Colinforth, is in a meeting with corporate lawyers from Japan. Oh. Maybe that's the scene we're talking about. So they, okay, so they don't great. even sing. They don't even party. Yeah, I wish they were Japanese tourists on Greece. That would be way more fun. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, no. That would also be very accurate. Yeah. I mean, Han, I don't know if you need to watch this film unless you're super curious about how these, you know, younger actors pantomime their mm-hmm. older selves. Um, but it's definitely, I mean, so it's a movie you can put on the background if you like want to play like uh, yeah. ABBA. The covers cover are actually really fun. Mm. Yeah. yeah, the covers are quite fun. Sometimes I actually listen to the movie soundtrack over like the <laughs> ABBA because you know they're just more produced in a theatrical way. Um, Amanda Seyfried uh, and Dominic Cooper very fun as the central ingenue romantic couple. I think they're like dating in real life, so probably not acting at that point. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and then, and then, yeah. If you ever want to just hear Pierce Brosnan trying to <laughs> pop a high C, <laughs> I just need to look for the YouTube supercut <laughs> of his stuff. But yeah, I guess as we wrap up this very thorough deep dive into Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia, here we go again. I guess we got to ask, is Mamma Mia good pop? Yes, 100% yes. I am vetoing any other answer. It is so fun. It is so campy. It's so escapist. We need more of this. We need more fun. We need more fun in our movies. We need more fun in our lives. We need more Academy Award winning, respected, classically trained stage actors letting loose like this. <laughs> Please vote yes for Mamma Mia. <laughs> vote for Thank you very much. I mean, for what it is, it's ex- delivering exactly what it promises. Um, maybe not my favorite style of musical, but I enjoyed myself. So sure. Yes. I mean, yeah, it was fun. I would say it's good pop because overall I did enjoy myself. Um, I did enjoy the experience of watching this film with Jess. Uh, I know I gave it a hard time, but that's part of the fun is to ask Jess why why are they riding a donkey? Why why are they doing that's what these you things? do in Greece, Marvin? <laughs> Mama Mia didn't invent that. It's what you do. It's a very it's a very hilly, volcanic. Why why are we place? still listening to Pierce Brosnan sing? <laughs> the man who because clearly does not have the chops. Have you seen his face? Have you seen his face? He's so charming. We love Pierce Brosnan. We have decades of history with Pierce Brosnan. We love him. My only regret is that we weren't able to pull off our uh, actual plan to <laughs> marathon two movies. I, I think you would have killed me. Yeah. I think your head would have been exploded and then Feta would have shot out. And then I would have been like, oh, no, I love Feta. And I would have been like, mm, but I'm lactose intolerant. So now yeah. my tummy hurts. And no, it would have been bad all around. <laughs> the problem with that would be I would definitely want to drink. And then since I was traveling the longest, I did not like want to drive home drunk. So, <laughs> yeah, as yeah. it was, fatality by Mama Mia, Marvin. Do you want that to happen? No. Yeah. Fun fact: While we were watching Mama Mia, we actually had actual real spring rolls. Oh yes, we did. <laughs> we had Vietnamese. Is that rolls. why you got them? Because you were just so mad. <laughs> they were good, right? They were crab. Um. So it was very good. Yeah, because I, I haven't actually had that version when I picked it up. I went to a Vietnamese restaurant right before. And um, tried it out. And so now I'm a fan. I w- they gave me a punch card. So I will go back. <laughs> well, Mamma Mia is I don't know, it's probably streaming somewhere, right? Most likely. On Hulu. Yeah. Oh, on For Hulu. Now. As of this moment, Hulu. But you know, that can change. And I think Ma- Mamma Mia, here we go again, is streaming on VOD if you have access to FX. So um, mm. yeah, that's where you can watch those films right now. Um, they are classics. Um, if you do... <laughs> Um, have your own hot takes about Mamma Mia please let us know uh, but yeah that'll do it for this edition of the Good Pop Culture Club Pop Culture Gaps segment um, I am glad to have this pop culture gap filled because now um, I can confidently say I have watched Mamma Mia and um, it was a film that I watched <laughs> you are such a straight man Marvin <laughs> so there's a forget that <laughs> Jess Han, if you want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? My trash takes 
for now are on Twitter at Just You Tweets. Yes, and I am still on Anonymous for now. <laughs> you can find me for now on Twitter at Marvin Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be moving to co-host or Bastodon or one of the other. Um, we shall see lifeboats. Um, but it is. It has been fun watching just every single aspect of virtual and reality just become giant trash fires. I guess. Um, the Good Pop Culture Club is a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts. You can check out our fellow Potluck Pods by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And we'll be back next week for our October, a belated October edition of Do We Want This? Our monthly Asian American entertainment news roundup. So until then, thanks for listening and we'll see you all next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. And we're the hosts of Books and Bull Book, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Each month, we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a variety of genres, including contemporary and historical fiction, sci-fi and fantasy, romance and cozy mysteries, and so much more. Our past book club picks have included Pachinko by Minjin Lee, Patron Saints of Nothing by Randy Ribeye, Grace of Kings by Ken Liu, and The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. Every month, we also go through the latest news in Asian American literature, as well as chat with some awesome Asian authors about their works. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com, and you can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.